Welcome to the Boots on the Ground podcast, presented by The Mission Continues, sparking conversations with veterans and organizations who are working to address the critical issues and challenges affecting veterans, our families, and communities in need nationwide. And now, here's your host, Talisa Keel. Welcome, everyone, to today's podcast. This is your host, Talisa Keel, Alumni Engagement Director for The Mission Continues. And I am so excited to introduce one of our very own alumni, James Fitzgerald, who is an Army combat veteran, Purple Heart recipient, served as a platoon leader out of New York City, and also served in our fellowship program. I love, love, love when we have our fellows still in the fight, still highly involved with the mission continues and serving with us. So it's such an honor to interview you today. Retired staff sergeant who also served a nine years, as I said, in our nation's greatest military, United States Army, served as an infantryman who deployed to both Iraq and Afghanistan and during his service was medically retired. And so I won't say too much because I know we're going to get to get to know you a little bit more. James, throughout this podcast interview. But once again, thank you so much for spending your time today. And tell us about your military experience. I know you've served in several different components and you've had multiple activations. What was that like? Originally, when I joined the Army, I I knew it was going to be during a time of war. They continuously hammered that at the recruiter's office that if you join, you're going to deploy, you're going to go to war. And so for me, as a child of the 80s, one of the cartoons that I watched religiously was G.I. Joe. So the only job that I could see myself doing was in the infantry. Luckily, my recruiter was also an infantryman. So he really plussed up like the ability for me to get inside of the armed forces and do every single bit of what I desired. But for me, what I didn't realize was how much of an introduction to the United States to the world that my time in the armed services was going to give me. So just overall, I'm tremendously grateful for that experience, just being able to interact with so many people from so many different places with a variety of different backgrounds. And I I was stationed in the Pacific Northwest at Fort Lewis before it became Joint Base Lewis-McCord. Everything about that was fantastic for me. I, I was seeing things that I never experienced, but Shortly after I arrived at Fort Lewis, they let me know, hey, I hope you don't like where you're at right now because we're going to go to Germany very soon. So it was a continuous kinetic and and moving environment for me. And that's always what kept me interested. Moving around to the various locations was a bit of culture shock, but very similar to what you hear from individuals during World War II. Like you, you had a nation calling during a time of war. And they needed you. They needed you to join. They needed you to do that part. So for me, it was not only this national geographic travel that I was taking part in. It really was answering the call of my country. But the mission was always forefront as well. So overall, serving as an infantryman, what I learned besides infantry is at the top was that each and every single team member is a value and each and every single team member is essential. And all my my childhood, I'd been put in different positions where I was a part of a team on football and Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, uh, various activities after school, but never was I placed in a position to where I was such a vital component. 
and uh-huh. the machine would not work yeah. without me. So a lot of the things that I gained in the beginning, it's what kept me in the military as long as I was in. Also, finally feel like I belong somewhere, that I'm a part of a team, that I am necessary. And those are the kind of things that I believe that a lot of our civilian counterparts and people that don't have that military experience don't understand about the armed forces overall is you're part of a team, but yes, it's underscored by saying you are vital. If you're not here, the mission cannot go on. It's it's so hard to replace that kind of feeling that was until I became a part of Michigan Continues. My my transition out of the military was quite difficult. There there was so much that was unsaid about leaving the military that many of us didn't talk about. And I'll, I'll just encapsulate it with a single item, which is your uniform. So there was so much like a resume was on your body when you walked around and you were able to walk into a room and people were able to at least see the caliber of individual that they were dealing with transitioning mm-hmm. out. It's like, I don't have clothes like that. Yeah. And even if I did, what would I put on those clothes? So for me, it was almost losing my identity as I transitioned out. And I continuously asked myself, who am I? Mm-hmm. What's my purpose? What am I here to do? Or what can I do at this point? So post-military, it was a little bit of a, a seeking out of who James Fitzgerald is in a similar way that happened before I joined the military. But that's the journey that I think a lot of service members go through is finding that purpose, finding that great spot to inject that energy and inject that same passion that you had in the military once you get out. Yet again, it's going to sound corny, but the first thing that I had to do in order to become successful post-military was find my veteran community. That was the absolute number one thing on my to-do list because I need to find others that have been in my situation and figure out Hey, how, how did you fill that gap? Like, mm-hmm. what did you do to, you know, find that same purpose that you did in the military now that you've left? Help me out. Give, give me, you know, a lit path to walk down. Like th- that, that truly was step one. But step two was something that I've done since I was a kid. And my mom's brothers, so my uncles were all prior service. And they used to tell me all the time as a kid. The quickest way to get connected to your community is through service. Yeah. So, you know, step one was finding my veteran community. Step two was finding a way to serve my community yet again. And I imagine that's where you got connected to the mission continues. What was that experience like and how has it affected your life, if, if at all? One of the greatest opportunities that was available to me was joining with the mission continues and becoming a platoon leader in a new community that I was looking to get closer to. I was going to school in the Bronx. And for me, I I, I didn't have a good reference in my mind to bounce off any of my thoughts. So going back to those core tenets from my uncles, being referred to the miscontinues, it was mind-blowing to me. Not only, like, I got to get to the veteran piece of my time with the miscontinues, but being able to do something for the community with nothing expected in return. My goodness. For me, that was 
being able to tap back into the same desires that I had when I joined the military. It's like, wow, I, I want to do this for my country, not because I'm going to get anything out of it because it's the right thing to do. Being able to create an opportunity for others. Mm-hmm. It's like, isn't, isn't that the name of the game that we do in the military? We, we, we want to protect and serve others. And now I'm having this opportunity to do it yet again in this brand new community to me. Like yeah. it, it gave me a renewed sense of purpose. Going to my first service project in the Bronx, I was very quiet, which, you know, anyone that knows me now, they're just like, I don't believe you. But I, <laughs> I, I was very quiet because I didn't know anyone. But just like your time in the military, it doesn't matter if you know them, they're going to bring you in just like family. And Meeting the veterans on my first service project was profound to me. I, I don't think it's a stress to say there are the reasons I'm still sitting here today because everyone was so warm and inviting and they, they brought me in and they provided me a wealth of knowledge to let me know that everything that I'm dealing with now is normal. And then, you know, just to, you know, give me that support. It's like, how can we help? It was that situation each and every single time that I went out to a service project, a social event, a support project, anything, I would always be bombarded with two sides of things, giving back to my community, being put next to other veterans and gold star family members and just members of the community that are there to support and to help and to let me know that what you're doing doesn't get a reward, but what we will give you is that recognition and that acknowledgement that you are doing the right thing. We're going to do that through mentorship, through support, through opportunities in, in, in other ways. And it was just like, wow, this is incredible. I never saw this happening. TMC really got at the heart of that. Like, I, I still have a closet full of my blue shirts, long sleeves, short sleeves, winter, summer, like wh- whatever it may be, because it gave me a new uniform. Gave me something else to say, you know, I'm a part of this, I'm a part of this team and looking around at the other people that are just, just as invested, just as passionate about this. They look like me. Tell me a little bit about your experience with the fellowship program. Who was your partner and and how did that impact the trajectory of your continued post-military service life? Wow. So this is going to get really deep. I, I did my fellowship with a nonprofit called the Alley Fournay Center, which is an LGBTQ youth center located in New York. I was able to go in and work on a program that helped give life skills, professional skills, educational skills to young people ages 16 to 24 that are by themselves, that are, you know, homeless, that are dealing with underemployment unemployment issues, uh, but also just belonging. And me being a part of the LGBTQ community, it really was a meeting of the two worlds. And that was facilitated by the Michigan Tenue. So yet again, this organization given me the the roadwork, the pathway to completing myself. You know, I served during Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and that was a difficult time. Yes, but for different reasons than, you know, some people have to deal with during their military time. But yeah. for me, it was post-military that I was able to circle that square. I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll use that phrase because it, it, it really brought me together with the two, what I thought were opposing sides of myself. It's like, oh, my, my veteran life can't mix with my LGBTQ life. 
but the miscontinued said, hold my beer, even though like <laughs> it's, it's, it's what hold, hold my diet Coke. Yeah. It, it gave me an opportunity to really inject myself into the other part of my communal life that I didn't know how to connect with. Yeah. And going back to my uncle's service is the quickest way to connect you to your community. And the miscontinues was that vehicle. So that was my fellowship. And it really had a profound impact on me in being able to discover more about myself, to overcome some personal challenges, personal obstacles that I was dealing with, yeah. but do it in a way that it's not about me. I'm helping others. Mm -hmm. Let's focus on that. And everything that I got from helping those young people helped improve who I am, helped improve the way that I look at the world. and. Going back to a, a lot of that passion that we have when we serve, it helped me get out, get out of the bed in the morning. And you have been out of the bed because you have been moving and grooving, continuing to serve. At some point, landed an internship at the White House. It was a great opportunity for me to do at the tail end of the Obama administration to work on First Lady Michelle Obama and then Second Lady Jill Biden's Joining Forces program, which... Mm -hmm was entirely focused on education, wellness, and employment for the veteran community nationwide. Wow. And just for me as that small town Tennessee kid, being able to work in the White House, I worked out of the East Wing, being able to walk in there each and every single day was a thrill, but man, was the pressure immense because I was so used from my military time, being able to see the people I'm working with, you know, get an idea of like what it is that we're doing and the impact that we're having in the country with the miscontinues. I'm seeing the community. I'm out in the community. I have boots on the ground. I'm, you know, able to see the objective. The, the pressure with the White House internship came with, oh, you're at the 30,000 foot view now. You're helping all the veterans across the nation and their families, but you can't see it. But overall, for me, it was a point of pride to be able to come back home each and every single night and know that there's a portion of the White House that is solely dedicated towards the betterment of our veteran community. And I'm a part of that. And that's, that's always what I hold in my heart from that. Being able to tell my story to the First Lady of the United States and to the President of the United States, letting them know what the stories of our veteran community are and what that looks like, the many stripes of service. It was a point of privilege for me, mm -hmm. knowing that I served in the infantry. It was one of those jobs that m most people are like, oh, you, you were too stupid to do something else. But for me, I wanted to do that. And I, I have to say that serving in the infantry got me to the White House. And to be able to communicate not just my story, but the story of so many other veterans and the impact of what we were doing, how that was going to translate to all the veterans and their families across the United States. That was what I take home. Those are the memories that I keep. I'm, I'm so proud to say that I was a representation of the veteran community, and I, I was able to at least translate a little bit of the veteran experience to the highest echelons of our nation's leadership. And, you know, I, I think that was the mission that I was there to do. What are some of the most significant challenges that veterans are facing today? Purpose. Purpose. There's so much that goes into joining the United States Armed Forces. There, there's so much that goes into 
serving in the United States Armed Forces. And then when you transition out to ensure that those men and women are still able to have that same purpose in their heart and in their mind, that is what the American public's job is to our veteran community, to let them know, wow, we we are thankful for your service. Now we want you to continue feeling like your place in this country is cemented and we want you to feel supported. Yeah. And that comes through our purpose. We are a purpose-driven community. And to be able to see our purpose in our community, in our family, in our yeah. professions, that's what gets other veterans out of the bed and, and two feet on the floor and ready to get out the door to like get the mission accomplished and get back home to enjoy all of the spoils. You know, James, what advice would you give to someone who is thinking about getting involved but isn't isn't quite sure where to start? I always take it back to bringing it as close to your community as possible. You know, a, a lot of veterans, a, a lot of individuals that are carrying a lot on their shoulders feel like if I can't change the world, like then I'm no use to I'm I'm not I'm no use to the world if I can't change it. But my advice to each and every single transitioning service member, veteran this out, family members of service members is if if you can think of one issue that you could solve for a veteran, start there. Whether it's, you know, I have an elderly veteran that lives next door, let me shovel the snow out of their driveway. Just understanding that it's small victories that win the mission. So, you know, if if you're thinking about starting with the mission continues, understand that, you know, all you can do is just like, look at what's right in front of you. How can I make my street cleaner? How, how can I, you know, bring together more of the kids in my community, more of the adults, more of, of those that need services? How can I bring them together? And just start there. Just start as small as you need to, but know that you can grow into changing the world if you so choose to. But always understand that you have the power to make the smallest of changes or the biggest of switches in the world around you. The message that I would like to give out to the listeners is you're worthy. The biggest struggle that I faced all the time was in the mirror, was always looking at myself and, and, and wondering, am I worthy? Am I earning my spot here? Just know from me and everything that I know about the world, you are worthy. And the world wants you to come out. We've been waiting on you. So that would be my advice to every single person that's listening is when you look at yourself in the mirror, know that you're worthy and know that the world has been waiting on you to introduce yourself in whatever way you choose to present. Until next time, Charlie Mike, y'all. Charlie Mike. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are The Mission Continues. We invest in veterans and under-resourced communities, developing new skill sets and equipping a growing veteran volunteer movement with the tools to drive positive change. To find more resources and to get involved, visit us at missioncontinues.org. See you on the next episode of the Boots on the Ground podcast presented by The Mission Continues. Charlie Mike, continue the mission.